What is up, everybody, my fellow clan members? Welcome to episode 116 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. As I talk professional wrestling, give my honest opinion about the shows that I watch and the news that I read. If you are just joining, I welcome you. I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. This is your boy, Shino D. Phoenix, and I thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode. Got a lot to go over today about a possible return happening in WWE. An interesting name that was backstage on Monday Night Raw. Um, update, uh, an audible was called during one of the Dynamite matches. And uh, a possible rumor that, an update on a rumor that involving the executive vice president of AEW. So this is a really talkative episode here. And I do want to give my thoughts on everything. But like I said, I appreciate all of you stopping by and just watching me talk about pro wrestling in case you don't watch anymore or if you're soured on it. But it's one of those days, guys. So this might be a long episode because I think the last one was three hours long. But um, we... We're going to try our best to try and make sense out of the stories and the shows that uh, I watched. But anyway, if you're new, you guys know the drill with social media. It's always simple. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter. Shino D Phoenix is where I'm at. I do live tweet uh, for Raw, for SmackDown, for NXT, AEW Dynamite, and on rare occasions, NXT UK, Impact, Ring of Honor, MLW, and other wrestling promotions. Uh, you can find me there. I do tweet about video games as well. And when I go live on Twitch. So that's the best place you can find me. Um, if you love gaming, Twitch is where it's at. Uh, make sure you guys follow me on Twitch. Shino Phoenix. Uh, and I know I'm saying uh, a lot, so get used to it. Cause I'm trying to think of the words. I'm planning on reaching 500 followers. That's my next goal. And I don't know. I might find a, a crate that has snacks from different countries. And I'm thinking about doing like a live stream and taste testing to see what it tastes like. Just do something like that. But uh, that's one of the plans I have. But I do live stream on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... And I'm probably adding Thursday and Sat, definitely Thursday. I think Thursday is also a good stream day for me. And Saturday. And on rare occasions, Sunday if I get bored. So if you like to see me be consistent, because I love entertaining my viewers. I love entertaining my followers. Follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix, if you love gaming. Um, if you have Instagram, follow me, Cool Man Sip. I post gaming stuff on uh, my Instagram page. And on rare occasions, I do post wrestling stuff. Well, before gaming, I always post wrestling stuff. But um, now, it's mostly Twitch-related content for my Instagram. So if you love that kind of stuff, make sure you follow, follow me, Cool Man Sip. I do post clips on uh, Instagram, and I also post clips on my TikTok. Yes, I have a TikTok. Don't judge me. Um... But I don't use TikTok to do the latest dance trends. I only use TikTok for gaming-related things. Like like I said, I put my Twitch clips on TikTok. So 
Follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix, if you want to see that as well. Um, Facebook users, you guys know the drill. If you love professional wrestling, make sure you like the Facebook page. Uh, no one's ready for wrestling. I do post the episodes on there, and on occasions I post updates if there's something that really happened. And I don't record an episode, so that's what's gonna go down. So, like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling, and let's get on with the show. Let's talk some AEW for a bit. Now, Landstorm, brilliant mind in pro wrestling, he was with Brian Alvarez talking about AEW and WWE on F4W Online, and he actually pointed out a a big plot hole in AEW. Now... AEW fans, and this is the thing that's true, AEW fans love to defend the company as their diehard viewership sticks with them every week. And to be quite honest, I don't give a shit about the viewership. The only thing I give a shit about is that they put on a good show. I don't give a shit if they rank number one in the key demos. I don't like. I don't care about it. I know it's important, but I don't care. I just want to put on a great television show. But Landstorm had to make a point that AEW's booking isn't perfect. And that's the thing I've been saying. AEW's not perfect. As much as it is praised. Now, during F4W's online radio show, Landstorm used an example. Like, he pointed out how Britt Baker lost to Thunder Rosa in an unsanctioned match. Then Thunder Rosa wasn't around at, at all the next week. Now, we didn't see Baker wrestle on Dynamite again until she was declared the number one contender. Now, that is certainly a hole in AEW's booking logic. Now, the unsanctioned match, like they said, the wins and losses won't count. But technically, a loss is a loss, right? Now, he said, I saw Britt Baker get beat to a bloody pulp, pile driven through the table, and soundly defeated in the main event of Dynamite. Then the next week, I was treated like I was dumb enough to not realize that she lost the match because they barred her out and celebrated braided, and I never saw the winner again. After that big loss, she says that she's going to become number, the number one contender. I never see her wrestle on Dynamite again until she hums out and says that she's the number one contender. Now, Lance Storm, uh, Lance Storm's point, was to counter Brian Alvarez, who was grilling WWE's booking for not making sense. He said you can find examples in both shows where the booking is off. AEW fans, and this is the thing that is true with most certain diehard AEW fans, have a way to overl- of overlooking a lot of, of that, but it is unavoidable fact in pro wrestling. And, like, I, I listen to it, and I see where Landstorm is coming from. like, And I, I, I literally said it best. AEW is not perfect. Now, if there's one thing I could agree with, Thunder Rosa should have been the number one contender off the bat. But I know where they're going with this because I actually stated this. Even though, the pl- even though this is a plot hole, and like I said, AEW's booking, they're not perfect. They're not, like, they're a great alternative, but their booking still needs some work. And it's something that they could easily fix. And I I just feel like 
that is a big plot hole. I'm not going to lie. I agree with Lance Storm on that. We haven't seen Thunder Rosa since actually on the latest episode of Dynamite. Not on Dark, not on Dark Elevation. Like, I know people don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation because it's just there, to be quite honest. Like, and if there's one thing I can agree with Brian on when I watched it and listened with my own ears, he said he wants wins and losses to be only on Dynamite. And I think that would make the most sense. So... That's, I just feel like it, there's a lot of things AEW can fix. It's just, they need to hear the criticism. That's how I feel about AEW. And yes, their booking is, that booking of that unsanctioned match. And look, Brian said that this wouldn't count as a win-loss record, but technically, it kind of does feel like she did lose but the loser gets the opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, as much as I love my Britt Baker, I'm just saying, Thunder Rosa should have been number one contender. Just, just, just throw that out there. Just, just, just throw that out there. That's all. That's all I'm saying right here. Now let's let's move on to the next story, and it's my boy Ricky Stark, Nola Gang, my boy from New Orleans, <laughs> representing my city, baby. <laughs> anyway. So, Ricky Starks, he, we haven't seen him for quite a while. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Voices of Wrestling, they reported that Ricky Starks is out of action with a fractured neck. And it will put him on, on a sideline for about three months, apparently. Now, Fightful chimed in, saying that it's a slight fracture at this time and he will and the good news is that he will not require surgeries but he also can't take any bumps in the ring now Ricky Starks for those who don't know if if you don't know what I'm talking about he landed awkwardly uh on his neck on April 21st and it was against Adam Hangman Page like it was in a German suplex spot and he landed like on the top of his head or like on the back a little bit of his neck trying to flip out of it now, it's not confirmed that his injury is related to that bump. Now, he seemed to be doing okay despite this terrible situation. And he's doing DDP yoga and praise this benefits following uh, that bad bump on Dynamite saying, I'm good. Thank you, DDP yoga, for my flexibility. Uh, Ricky Starks is expected to make a return to action as soon as he's able to. Able to. AEW certainly sees big things in his future with the company, and they better see big things in him because he's one of the bright stars that I think they could build around. They could build AEW around him. And can you imagine the reaction he would get when he comes to when AEW comes to Louisiana and he comes out? Man, the people will blow up for uh, Ricky Starks, but I wish. I hope he recovers on time, and I do think I know what the plan was if he wasn't um, injured, and I'm going to reveal that when we get to AEW Dynamite. Now, MJF. MJF is one of the best heels right now in AEW. He joined the company since 2019. This was two years ago. He's always been seen as a top star, and as he was, always push. 
He had a brief alliance with Chris Jericho, the top prospect, and he became a main eventer. MJF was turned on by the inner circle and created his own faction, the Pinnacle. Many people see him as a top heel for the promotion for years to come. However, at the end of the day, pro wrestling is a business and he knows that. Thus, when he was asked about a possible move to WWE when his AEW contract expires, he won't shut the door on the possibility. He said, uh, I, I say I'd be near the end of my contract. I would be the AEW world champion. I would still be part of the greatest faction in pro wrestling known as the Pinnacle. This is MJF's word. He said, all of my brothers in arms would have gold. And then at that point, the highest bidder, baby, me and my boys, we're willing to go wherever the money, wherever the money's at. It's that simple. And this was during an interview with Steel Chair Magazine. He said, don't get me wrong, AEW runs deep in, in me. I don't want to leave, but I'm a businessman at the end of the day. And I can't help, I can't help myself if somebody got an offer from me. I'm going to listen to it. Now, MJF, he won the Blood and Guts match uh, last Wednesday. Uh, before he pushed Jericho off the top of the structure. And he also talked about the match and his spot in the promotion and more in this interview. But we wanted to focus on this. But can you imagine Vince McMahon throwing huge chunks of money at MJF to come to WWE? Do you honestly think MJF would be a, a success story in WWE? Only in NXT, possibly. But on Raw and SmackDown? <laughs> You put up on Raw. The guy is doomed. Because, like, literally. Do you know how they script these guys? Like, they hand them a script. He will not sound organic as a top heel. Now, I think MJF would be better off if he stays in AEW. Because I just feel like it's the best thing for, for him right now. Like, and yes, at the end of the day, is business... But do you honestly think MJF is thinking about a possibility of going to WWE? And yes, like I said, it's business. But I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. That's not like MJF to go to Vince McMahon and think, oh, it's going to be perfect down here. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like, I've seen it with some of the talent. And some of them are just not even used. That's what I think might happen to MJF if he goes to Monday Night Raw, for example. SmackDown is hit or miss. SmackDown is hit or miss. Anyway. Like, I, I don't see it happening, but... You know how MJF likes to play his cards, and he plays it right because he's a smart man. Now let's get into the touring news. AEW is set to uh, resume touring. And they announced... The news that fans have been waiting to hear for over a year now. And it's road dates. The promotion confirmed on Monday morning in a statement issued on their website. That they will be holding three road shows in July. Due to COVID-19's pandemic, the promotion has been holding shows in Jacksonville, Florida. At Daly's Place. Now, when the promotion holds its double or nothing pay-per-view on May 30th. It will mark the first time that they will have a full capacity at a show in over a year. 
Now, fans can expect more dates and location to be announced for the future Road uh, Dynamite shows. And this is the issue that they made. AEW Dynamite is back on the road with live ticketed events in Miami, Austin, and Dallas. Uh, rescheduled dates announced for St. Louis and New Orleans shows, which, by the way, I still have my ticket for the New Orleans show and it's still usable. Still usable. Um, May 10th, 2021. After safely hosting 27 live ticketed events throughout the past nine months in Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, um, AEW is bringing the excitement of his flagship show to Dynamite, show Dynamite to Miami, Austin, and Dallas this summer. AEW will become the first major wrestling promotion to safely run no return to traveling schedules since March of 2020. The dates for the live shows in Miami, Austin, and Dallas are... And for those of you who live in these areas, make sure you get your tickets ready. Wednesday, July 7th, the James L. Knight Center in Miami, Miami, Florida. Wednesday, July 14th, HEB Center in Cedar, in Cedar Park, Texas, Greater Austin area. Wednesday, July 21st, um, Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. Now, General Tech... Tickets for the three shows will go on sale, which is right now at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Time, which it's uh, like the tickets are on sale now. Now, at the same time, tickets for Miami and Austin shows will be available via Ticketmaster.com, while tickets for the Dallas shows can be purchased at CurtisHallwellCenter.com. Tickets starts at $30, not including service charges or fees. Each event will be held in compliance with state COVID safety guidelines and seating capacities will adhere to state and local mandates. Now, they quoted by saying, We're so appreciative of our fans in Jacksonville who have been with us uh, these past nine months. Their support and incredible energy have lifted lifted us week after week and viewers have fed off their enthusiasm and support. Daily's Place will always be our home. Looking ahead, we are thrilled to welcome our fans back to become part of the action in Miami, Austin, and Dallas. We miss touring cities, meeting the fans, and hearing the roar during the, our live shows. Please be assured that we're working closely with the venues to comply with the state and local regulations in each city. Miami, Austin, and Dallas are the first of many as we gear up to trucks to travel across the country again. Now, in the near future, AEW will be announcing additional live events for the late summer. Now, they rescheduled St. Louis in New Orleans. Now, the show in... I don't know if I pronounced this right. Chai Fitz Arena in St. Louis on June 23rd has been rescheduled for Friday, November 5th, 2021. The live event will be an AEW TNT television taping. The show in the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans has been rescheduled for Wednesday, January 12th, uh, 2022. So that's next year as an AEW Dynamite event. And I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to share my experience with you guys on the sh- on the podcast. Fans who have already purchased tickets to either show will have their original tickets valid at- for admission to the respective rescheduled show. 
or they can receive a refund via the point of purchase. So, as AEW continues to deliver their best matches and most entertaining moments in professional wrestling today, tune in to Dynamite every Wednesday on TNT. So, this is great for AEW as long as they adhere to their COVID protocols. Is, and I'm excited to see hear the live crowd again. I think that's going to be really fun. Just a really fun moment for me. Just, just them bringing the energy, you know? But you want to know why? Florida, Texas, all of them, they uplifted everything. So it's a dead giveaway right there. So it's no surprise that they will start there first. Now, how does WWE feel about... um? AEW going on the road before they do? Well, according to WrestleVotes, they say WWE's plans to resume touring will not be impacted by their, this decision from AEW. So they tweeted from a few sources I've asked, it doesn't seem like AEW starting back on the road in July will impact WWE's return to touring plans. Um, while this could change as Vince and company like to be the number one for those for these types of changes, as of today, it still looks it still looks like August for them. And I just say, oh, really? Now, so they're not worried, but I might as well talk about it now because I was gonna save it for um, the WWE portion. Get this: WWE's is resuming live event touring in July. Hmm. So you're not worried about AEW starting before you, right? Now, Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men's Podcast reported that WWE has plans to bring touring on July 16th. As of yet, there is no word on what city they plan on going to, but the live touring will be for the main roster beginning with Friday Night SmackDown. Now, as previously noted, WWE is looking into... Lo- now, I'll get into the SummerSlam uh, portion, but... Like they, like I mentioned, they they're going to be touring in July, same month as AEW. Hmm. But you're not worried about them, right? As long as it's like, like let me just be real. As long as you don't worry about them, then you're good. But if you do this out of reaction, then yeah, I think it's gonna backfire. So play your cards wisely, Vince. Play your cards wisely. Now, speaking of WWE, another great follow-up. How did top officials feel about um, the the Blood and Guts match? How did WWE officials feel about it? Well, recently, Dave uh, Shearer of PW Insider stated that WWE officials hated the inaugural match, and one person stated the match set the business back 30 years. While Dave Meltzer chimed in on the F4W online board and he wrote the following and I quote it is totally consistent with Vince there's absolutely there absolutely were high ranking people who said that and at least one person who thought the opposite now it's WWE like like this is AEW's version of war games now Jericho he chimed in on the criticism about that bump at the end which I still hold, I still hold my opinion on because I still think it was stupid that they did not like cut away and just have him just lay there and then cut to him 
you know. But WWE officials, like, look, I think they're just being soft. They're being soft. But I thought AEW delivered on the blood and guts. I still think they delivered on blood and guts. If you would just ignore the ending. Because I thought the ending was a disappointment. Not the ending of the match, but the... How would I put this? The... Just how... Like, the post-match. That's, that's, that's the word. That's the word. I thought it was disappointing. But, yeah, like I said, I think WWE officials are kind of soft. But at least one person actually enjoyed it. That's the thing that matters. But... The setback 30 years? I mean, come on. Come on. No, 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 no. Just no. Anyway. This is an interesting story that I do want to talk about. And back in February, Darby Allen got the chance to team up with Sting at Revolution, at the Revolution pay-per-view. They worked a street fight against Ricky Starks and Brian Cage which marked Sting's first match since 2015 due to spinal stenosis. Now, Darby Allen was recently interviewed on ESPN Sports Nation to talk about a wide range of topics. During it, Allen was talking about being influenced by directors with his video package, including a footage that was filmed for this match. As Sting was seen driving a truck with Allen holding on to the tailgate while the skateboard on a skateboard to make it to the empty building for the fight. It turns out that they were pulled over by the police three times while filming. Now, Darby said, like my entrance, I was filming for the pay-per-view last month with Sting. We were filming that entrance and got pulled over three times by the cops. Now, he was asked what's what the reaction was like for the cops and he pointed out they just saw me skating down the skating down the street at three in the morning and my face paint speeding in a truck. They were like, What's going on here? I'm like, it's a professional I'm like, it's for professional wrestling, AEW. <laughs> wow. Get pulled over by cops three times, like for your entrance. And look, the entrance was great at uh Revolution. And just pull over uh what's this for? Um, professional wrestling, like, it's AEW. Oh, carry on. Pulled over again. Uh, professional wrestling, AEW. Carry on. Final time. Professional wrestling, AEW. I bet that's what he had to deal with, but Darby Allen has a great mind when it comes to his entrance. And, like, I think it... And that's a really good, interesting story that he told on ESPN. Really good stuff. Now, before we get into Dark Elevation and AEW Dark and Dynamite, there's this rumor that... And it, it is, it's a really interesting rumor right here. And a big name is now hesitant on about going to AEW because of infightings amongst the executive vice presidents. This was during the pro wrestling... Uh, <clears throat> the Pro Wrestling Torch uh, podcast with Ray, Wade Keller and Jason Powell. Now, there is apparently smoke to the rumors because I talked about this in the la- in one of the episodes. I don't remember which. Um, And if I didn't, then this has been on my mind lately. 
Um, there's apparently smoke to the rumors of the heat between some of the executive vice presidents and AEW. There have been rumblings on social medias for over a year that some executive vice presidents are no longer on speaking terms. The EVPs in AEW, in case you guys don't know, are Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. During a recent discussion about the AEW product, Wade Keller and Jason Powell confirmed that there there are issues among uh, among some of the executive vice presidents or the EVPs for short. And Powell said that someone who would be a difference maker for AEW has been hesitant about signing with them because this person has heard the same rumor. Now, this is literally all gossip. We don't know if this is completely true or not. Maybe it's just some smoke in the water. I don't know. But Keller said this, and I quote, There's going to be a book written some someday by some of the these EVPs or someone else closely observing and we're going to learn about a lot of dysfunction. We're going to learn what a very short honeymoon period there was between certain key people in the company who aren't even talking to each other anymore. I think we're going to find out uh find that out. I know there are people in other wrestling companies saying the Bucks and Cody and Kenny is not going to be long at all before they want to have nothing to do with each other. The honeymoon period is going to be short, and it seems like it is. It seems like there's some disengagement and people going off into their own that is showing up in certain ways. Now, Powell chimed in and said this. If that is not happening, they need to clear up this misconception, which they have to do, because this is a big rumor that's going on right now. We need to hear from Cody. We need to hear from Kenny and the Young Bucks. I don't know if we might hear from Tony Khan. It's up to them to uh, talk this out. And he continued by saying, there would, there's a would-be difference maker who could go there that has that option that there's all this infighting and the this person for that reason is hesitant to go there. Now, Powell did not say who this person is. But there are a couple of ex-WWE names available that could sign with AEW. And right now, the two biggest names that are free agents are Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe. So, like, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's going on between Kenny, the Bucks, and Cody Rhodes. But with this rumor going on, they really got to speak up about it if they don't want this misconception. Like uh, Powell said... But it's better if we wait and see. But, like, that's just the way I see it, to be quite honest. Because that is a big rumor going on right now in AEW. This was actually first reported by Brian Lass, who was the co-host of the Jim Cornette Experience, which is his podcast. And he talked about it, and WrestleTalk actually took a clip of it of his of that part and they posted on their uh their their side I guess. So and FIFO actually chimed in saying that it is like he heard rumors about it. Sean Ross Sapp heard rumors about it. And we don't know if it's true or not. So like I said, it's better if we wait and see. And if this turns out to be true, ooh, that honeymoon phase, like they said, is pretty much done. Done. 
Now they got to focus on the business aspect. Anyway, let's talk about Dark Elevation and, and AEW Dark. Quickly go over the results as soon as we can. And we'll talk about Dynamite. We had, for Dark Elevation, Lee Johnson defeated David Ali. Eddie Kingston defeated VSK. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky defeated Fuego Del Sol and Baron Black. Thunder Rosa defeated Renee Michelle. Chuck Taylor defeated Vari Morales. I don't know if I pronounced it right. Layla Hurst defeated Danny Jordan. Matt Seidel defeated Ma- Manny Smith. Jay Cargill defeated Reka Tehaka. Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn defeated Dean Alexander and Dylan McQueen. Britt Baker defeated Rachel Rose. Ty Conti defeated Maddie Winkowski. Jurassic Express defeated Chaos Project. Alex Reynolds defeated Isaiah Cassidy. And I thought the main event, Moxley versus Danny Limelight, was excellent. That was, an, that was one of my favorite matches on the show. And if I am AEW, you gotta be crazy if you don't sign Danny Limelight to a contract. This guy was amazing. Amazing. You would be fools if you don't sign Danny Limelight. Fools. Anyway, AEW Dark, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, they defeated Milk Chocolate. That's a team name. Um, not for Moxley and Eddie Kingston. There's a team called Milk Chocolate. Evil Uno, Coke Cabana, and Allen Five Angels defeated Spencer Slade, uh, Cole Carter, and Andrew Palace. Lance Archer defeated Angel Fashion. The Factory defeated Jake Logan, Ryzen, and Rick Retcon. Varsity Blondes, they had a new member, Julia Hart, who I think is, I think is, uh, Someone I'm going to be looking out for. Because uh, you know I'm a fan of women's wrestling. Um, they defeated... If I could find it. Jalen Brandy and Trayvon Jordan. Diamante defeated Willow Nightingale. Dante Martin defeated Aaron Fry. Nyla Rose defeated Ashley D. Ambrose. And Boyce, if I pronounce it right. Ryan Nemeth and Cesar Bononi defeated Adrian Alanis and Liam Gray. Chris Statlander defeated Julia Hart. Jungle Boy defeated Marty Casas or Marty the Moth Martinez. I still I still call him that. I really do. Um, Big Swole and Red Velvet defeated the MK Twins. Dark Order member number ten defeated JD Drake. The Acclaimed defeated Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss, and possibly the best moment. Booty butt, booty butt, booty butt cheeks. I was I was laughing my ass off. I'm like, oh my goodness. They did not just do the booty butt cheeks. Because somebody, and I know someone in the acclaim, loves the Boondocks, which is hands down one of my favorite TV shows, my favorite cartoons that I love to watch. Um, Brian Cage defeated Bear Bronson, and Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Matt Seidel. So those are the results for AEW Dark Elevation and Dark. I thought AEW Dynamite was a really good show. Not their best, but a good show overall. We open things off with the IWGP United States Championship being defended on an AEW ring. Yuji Nagata making his AEW debut. 
taking on John Moxley, who came out to Wild Thing, not Tone Lock. You know, Wild Thing. Dun, 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 dun. You make my heart sing. And I'm thinking this has to be a one-off, right? It has to be a one-off. I don't know if this is his permanent theme, but I really love his unscripted violence theme. It's just, it just fits for Moxley. But this match I thought was really good. A really fun opening match. And Moxley, he retained with the uh, paradigm shift. He showed respect to Yuji Nagata after the match. So, who's next to step up to John Moxley? Hmm, Kenta. Well, Kenta already lost. But if they're going to keep doing these uh, New Japan talents coming in, Suzuki's one of them. Suzuki could be one of them. And he takes the title from... uh, from from John Moxley. I think that would be interesting, but that depends on Suzuki because his contract with New Japan is running up apparently. Now, Alex Marvez, he interviewed Ortiz, Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. Now, they said that the Pinnacle beat they had the Pinnacle beat last week, but MJF stole it from them. And then he showed his true colors by throwing Jericho off the cage. And getting Santana arrested for stabbing him with a fork. Even though I think uh, MJF done it too. I'm just just saying. So Santana's storyline gets arrested for stabbing MJF in the fork. But MJF walks scot-free from tossing someone 10 feet off a cage. I'm I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. Anyway... They want another match, and it'll never be over as long as they're he- they're in the same company. They say, give them the rematch, or they'll put you in the grave. So I'm thinking, okay, so Jericho's not here, still selling the injury. And that didn't last that long. And this is where my disappointment came. We'll get into that later. Cody Rhodes. He cut this promo about knowing patriotism and... Is out of style, but he's never, he's never not been proud to be an American. He talks about Agogo saying that he runs down and verbally buries the United States with such virtual and irony is that he got a visa and offer the same rights as all of us. Now he talks about the argument being what makes us great, and he carries on about the American dream. Now he talks about how his kid will be biracial and he and shun neither identity and he wants her to know that he didn't just lay down under somebody else's flag. Now he's got he got off his ass and fought back. And the match that's gonna happen at double or nothing will be against Cody Rhodes against Anthony Agogo. And for one night, he will not be the American nightmare. He's going to be the American dream. Dust Cody Rhodes. Because he wants... He wants the present... He said the presentation won't be different. Now, the promo I thought was just dragging a little bit long. Like, he should have just got to the point saying that... He wants... Now, Cody could cut a great promo. Don't get me wrong. But all that, I, I was kind of lost about it. And he should have just... Like, if you would have given more time to Moxley and uh, Yuji Nagata and just have Cody sit, let me just get to the point. He challenges Anthony Ogogo to a match at um, Double or Nothing. Th- that that would have been it. 
You know, I just, I wasn't feeling this promo. I don't know why. Like, I just don't know why I wasn't feeling it. And then you're going to have people who's going to say, oh, you're just trying to nitpick. You're complaining for the sake of complaining. Look, like, we all know Cody's going to be running for, he's going to get into politics pretty soon. You know that, right? So, this is something I would see out of a politics. Not in a wrestling ring. I'm just saying. About patriotism and stuff. I'm just throwing that out there. We got the AEW Tag Team Championship match. I thought this was a bloody fun match. Bloody great one at that. Um, there was this one part where Nick Jackson super kicked um, Christopher Daniels like on the steel, like on the ring post, and you could just see him gushing a mountain of blood on his face. We had the spot of "I'm sorry, I love you." Close near fall with that. With that, I thought that was gonna be it. Um, we had Christopher Daniels hitting the BME best moonsault ever for a close near fall. Um, Frankie Kazarian hitting the Styles Clash, which I thought was good, paying homage to his friend AJ Styles. We had, I believe it was Matt Jackson spraying something, uh, in the face of. In the face of Christopher Daniels behind the ref's back. Wax him with the can. Uh, one, two, near fall. And we see them hit the BTE trigger on uh, Christopher Daniels. And SCU is no more. They lost. And I still think they should have kept they should have kept this bill going. At double or nothing. It would have been much bigger. And I think that was one of the issues I really had. The match was great. Don't get me wrong. But wouldn't it have been better if you... Since you announced that you got full capacity crowds at double or nothing. You should have done it right there. That should have been the match. Now the thing I also did not like. When SEU was laying in the ring. You see Frankie Gazarian just... I don't know if he was going to snap... But they immediately cut to the back and they see, they show Moxley and Eddie Kingston trashing the Elite's locker room. And I'm like, I just say, why would you cut away from this? Can you let SCU get their moment? That's totally disrespectful. Totally disrespectful on SCU. Now, later during the show, later during the show, uh, the Young Bucks... The good brothers, they were in the back of the destroyed, um, of their destroyed locker room, and they're not happy about it. So they invite the Varsity Blondes next week in a tag team title match. And he mentioned that Brian Pillman Jr. wanted to be like his little daddy, so you get that opportunity next week. And Matt also, also said that, are you doing anything for Double or Nothing, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley? Because we invite you to a super kick party. At double or nothing. I would put... Like, I would not mind a, a title change between... Like, and you s- slowly start the fall of the Elite. You slowly start right there. I would not mind Moxley and Eddie Kingston being AEW Tag Team Champions. I think they would be great champions. That would be fucking great, you know? So, I, I, I mean, it should be a fun match. Don't get me wrong, but like I said... I feel like SCU versus Young Bucks should have been saved for uh, double or nothing. That's just how I feel about it. Now let's rewind for a little bit. Christian Cage 
who was interviewed backstage talking about Taz critiquing his wrestling abilities. And he pretty much said there's no denying that Taz used to be a bad man. But now he's not going to back up the things he says. And he's pretty much issuing an open challenge to any member of Team Taz. And Matt Seidel comes in because now Christian Cage says that he's going to be in the Double or Nothing Casino Battle Royal. And he's going to be in there to win it. And Matt Seidel comes in and says that he's going to be in that match too. And he has a mind of a redemption. He also says he's going to beat Christian before Double or Nothing. So this match is next week. We had Orange Cassidy versus Pac. I actually got news on that. Now, the match itself was alright but until the ending came. Which I know was not their fault. But they called an audible in this match. Now, it was during a Liger Bomb spot. Orange Cassidy was clearly knocked the fuck out. And his face was just all red. Like, you could see red all over his face. You knew something was wrong. So, it was clear that something was off with the finish with Orange Cassidy and Pac. And it had to be changed. Now, PW Insider, they reported that the plan, the original plan was to be a 20-minute time limit draw. And it will still be a triple threat match. Now, the match was changed because Cassidy was hurt after taking a Sunset Flip powerbomb on the floor. Now, his face was bright red like I mentioned. That's when referee Aubrey Edwards called an audible to save Cassidy from taking any more bumps. And we get Omega attacking Pac with the uh, the belt knocking him out. And um, this led to a count like a draw. And Don Callis is saying that this means Kenny gets the night off for double or nothing and asks where he wants to go. But Tony Schiavone rolls up and says, I've just been informed by Tony Khan that you will def- that at double or nothing, you will have to defend your world title match and it will be and it'll be double for Kenny because you're gonna defend it against Pac and Orange Cassidy in a three way match. And this upsets um, Kenny Omega, and they walk off. So, we got our title match official for double or nothing. We cut to Hangman Page, who is backstage with the Dark Order, being interviewed by Alex Marvez. Now, they talk about Brian Cage beating uh, Hangman Page, and the Dark Order pledged to get Hangman Page back to the top, but he says that it was bound to happen. He was number one, and he had a target on his back, and it took three and a half guys to help Brian Cage beat him. Now, and if and if he was the kind of guy that he thinks Brian Cage is, he thinks he would be satis- be very satisfied with that victory. So he pretty much lays a challenge to him: Why not leave Team Taz behind, face me one on one? And earn that victory. And if I lose, I can accept that. But for Cage, it's, wait for it, double or nothing. And this match is official. Hangman Page will take on Brian Cage at double or nothing. And I feel like they're saving Hangman Page versus Omega at All Out. I think that's where the title change is going to happen. And... I think it's a smart move. 
build up Hangman Page, and when he's ready for Omega, save that for All Out. Do not put it on Dynamite. Do not, I repeat, do not put it on Dynamite. Save that for the pay-per-view. That's where the title change is going to happen. That's where the Elite falls. And I think that's that's the best way they could go about it. Hope they play their cards right. We get the coronation of the pinnacle. MJF, who is wearing a crown, thinking he's the king now. And also a pink pastel suit. He comes out with his guys, Sean Spears, FTR, Tully Blanchard. And he pretty much says, you'll call me the greatest of all time now. And you should bow to me and the pinnacle. Now, he doesn't know if the mouth-breathing pores have heard this, but they talked about being number one on cable for the first time ever and broke the record on TSN in Canada, too. And he gives all the credit to Sean Spears. Now, he calls himself a benevolent king, and he asks if we want to see a rematch. The crowd was chanting yes, but his answer was no. So, MJF is bearing gifts for um, his members of the the pinnacle. Tully Blanchard, meanwhile, he gets on the mic, and he says that he's been on top many times in the past, but this group of guys right here... They took everything the Inner Circle could dish out last week and made them quit. And pretty much said, when you quit, you quit. And the Pinnacle deserved the finest things. Like I mentioned, he got them $1,000 of watches. Those, those are the gifts. And every time they see it on the wrist, they will, they will know it was a present from Tully Blanchard. And that's what being part of the pinnacle is all about. We hear honking noises and we see Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, and Ortiz. And I'm like, okay, they're doing it right. There's no Jericho. Let him sell the injury. Who, by the way, Jericho actually suffered a legit injury. He dislocated his elbow. So he might be out for some time. Or weeks. So they're in a golf cart trailer attached and the trailer had a banner hanging on on it with a picture of Jericho labeled a little bit of the bubbly MJF tells them to go away because Jericho never is never showing his face on Dynamite again and the inner circle is done and I just rolled my eyes in this and I'm like you couldn't just wait one week for to it just makes and I'll get to the critical part that I had with this segment. Now Jericho's here. His arm's in a brace. And he asks for a rematch. MJF says no. Chris tells Sammy to get him. And he fires. He opens fire with a champagne cannon. Soaking the pinnacle. And MJF. Gets on the mic. Pretty much saying if you. You want a rematch. He's got it. Stadium stampede at double or nothing. But don't celebrate. Because the inner circle has a breakup. Because if they lose, the inner circle has to break up forever. Take it or leave it. We didn't get the confirmation from uh from Chris Jericho, but it looks like they're gonna they're going to, but the blood and guts match should have been a blow off. 
okay? And the thing I had an issue with this segment is that you could have just kept Jericho off of television for just one little week. One week. One week. That's all you had to do. Either one or two weeks. You can still build, but the rematch is really not even that necessary. Like, and I'm just being honest. Like, if you're going to have the inner circle beat the pinnacle, what was the point? You know, what was the point of blood and guts? Like, if you're going to split up the inner circle, I would rather Santana and Ortiz do their own thing. I would have Sammy Guevara go after the TNT title. Like, Jake Hager. I don't know what you could do with him. Jericho, I don't know what you can do with him. Like, it's just... It's just something... It's another plot hole, like... That I had an issue. Blood and Guts should have been the end of the Pinnacle and Inner Circle. If... The Inner Circle wins this rematch, if it's confirmed, then what's the point? See? Even AEW is not immune to criticism. The last stadium stampede was entertaining. I don't think they're going to top last year's stadium stampede. Because that was so much fun. They can't top that. They just can't. Anyway, that that's what I wanted to get off my chest. JR, he's sitting down with Britt Baker, DMD, and who I think is going to win the AEW women's title from Hikaru Shida. She said that it's poetic justice, it's poetic that the monster Hikaru Shida created is going to dethrone her unless she kills her. But you may have noticed that she's pretty hard to kill. Now, Baker talks about interrupting a Forbes photo shoot earlier today and attacking Shida, and she says. She just thought the article should have picks with the current champs. When it goes to um when it goes to print, she said that the pul- she's the pulse of the division and come double or nothing, the women's division is going to live on its own when she becomes the champion. DMD guaranteed. I feel like that's going to happen. And I think Britt Baker is walking out of double or nothing as the new AEW women's champion. What's left for Sheeta to prove as the women's champion? Nothing else, really. She had a dec- She had a nice little run. Now it's Britt Baker's turn. Despite the um, plot hole that Lance Storm bought up. Now, speaking of which, Thunder Rosa appeared on Dynamite. And I found this interesting. I found this interesting because somebody... I was listening to the Solo Monster. And I don't keep up with NWA that much because now it's on fight. I usually watch it on their YouTube channel. But, um, he bought up that Camille will, will face Thunder Rosa in NWA and it's for the number one contendership for the NWA Women's Championship. Now, Camille put on a stipulation that if Thunder Rosa loses, she will wrestle exclusively for NWA. Like, she will not be using her, um, her tricks to go to AEW for her own game. Which is kind of bizarre. I don't know if this is going to lead to um, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb, who will be returning next week to defend her NWA Women's Championship against uh, Red Velvet. I don't know where this is leading to. But Thunder Rosa, she got a win over Jasmine Allure, somebody that she's building up as well. And this match honestly should have been on Dark. It, it felt more like a squash match, but Jasmine Allure held her own. 
Then we get to the main event. The TNT Championship match between Miro and Darby Allen. This was fun. Like, out of the gate, Miro just destroyed this guy. This is what Miro should have been when he should when he came to Dynamite. Like, he dropped the control, although he's serious. And look at him now. He, he is your new TNT champion. Now, I feel like with Darby Allen dropping the title, I think this is leading to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page versus Sting and Darby Allen at double or nothing. I don't know how it's going to work. But we're just going to have to wait and see. Now, we had a stare down between Lance Archer and Miro. And if that is not for the TNT title at double or nothing, you're doing something wrong. Sign me up. I think this would be a great match. But anyway, that's Dynamite for you. I thought it was a very good show. A couple of issues I had, but still a good show. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself, Hey, uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like different genres. Like, for me personally, Wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I go, that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino, and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly. Very friendly people out there. So, once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of Wrestling Amino right here, and... Like, this is where I got started before I got into podcasting. So, if you would like to download this app, it is 100% free. I am telling you, it is worth it. Download the Amino app, and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. Now, before we get into some WWE news, I want to quickly mention the Inner Circle uh, Pinnacle segment. Now, I forgot to mention that this, they try to do a parody, like they try to recreate um, the Stone Cold Steve Austin beer truck or the Kurt Angle milk truck segment. I mean, that was a whole point of that right there, but they used a little bit of the bubbly. And I forgot to mention Santana was not there because according to uh, Dave Meltzer, he revealed that Santana is currently sick right now. So I want to send my best wishes to him. Hopefully he recovers on time. And uh, yeah, just I just want to give you the brief uh, update that I missed. Now let's talk about WWE for, uh, for the closing parts of this uh, podcast, like we always do. Now... Walter is currently the NXT UK Championship, possibly the the longest reigning champion of this modern era, and he might be close to reaching a thousand days in in a few like months or years, because right now he's doing the best work possible. Now, Walter 
Walter, like that's how you pronounce it, has many dream matches in WWE, but um, he doesn't come to the United States very often. Now, there are cer- certainly some people he will love to face, and, and Cesaro is right up there. Now, he was the guest on After the Bell with Corey Graves, and he said that he never wrestled Cesaro, but he wants to. He praised the Swiss Superman as a great role model for German-speaking people as well. He also want to face Daniel Bryan, but Bryan's recent WWE exit might make that difficult. Finn Balor is also the man and Walter wants to tangle with. Now, this is what he said. Daniel Bryan is a match I would really do. Obviously, Cesaro too. I've never worked with Cesaro. He's a great role model for all of us German-speaking talent. He has also always been super supportive. As soon as we step foot in WWE... He reached his hand out to all of us. He's a fantastic wrestler regarding and regarding NXT, the one match I wanted before COVID was with Finn Balor. Those are the three that I want. Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa delivered on every level. There are many hard-hitting matches to come, and Cesaro will make an excellent opponent for Walter down the line. We'll have to see if Vince McMahon agrees. Now, uh, Cesaro is no stranger to NXT UK. He actually made an appearance at one of the UK TakeOver shows where he took on Ilya Dragunov, which was a fantastic match. So I would not be opposed to having Cesaro versus Valter, uh for the NXT UK Championship. I think that would be a fucking blast. That would be a great fucking match, in my honest opinion. And I hope it happens one day. I really hope it happens. That would be a great match, if you ask me. Now, Mia Yim, as you guys know, I'm recording on Friday. Friday is SmackDown. So Mia Yim is set to debut on SmackDown maybe tonight. And ever since the Retribution split, she is now on her way to the blue brand. Now, Dave Meltzer reported on F4W online that the company plans to debut Mia Yim next week instead. Now, it's not known why WWE made the call to hold her debut until the go-home episode for Backlash. And this is what he said. Yim is tentatively scheduled to debut on this coming Friday SmackDown show. Now, Reckoning's mask might be gone, but we have not heard any confirmation if WWE is going to drop her name. They do have it copyrighted. Mason T-Bar also kept their retribution names. It seems to be up in the air at this point, but Mia Yim is on her way to SmackDown one way or the other. And get this. This is the plan that they had for Mia Yim's debut, and this is revealed. Um, Fightful confirmed uh, the source from Ringside News. Take those guys with a grain of salt, but I always trust Fightful's uh, sources. Um, Fightful confirmed the previous report along with giving some clarification about what those plans were. Mia Yim was supposed to start a feud with Carmella, but WWE changed those plans around. So, for, according to Sean Ross Sapp, this is what he said. Mia Yim was originally set to start a feud with Carmella, but was cut for time as WWE had to add in a throwback content to fit the theme of the show. And that's also another reason why we didn't see Aleister Black last week. So, more than likely, we'll see them tonight on SmackDown. 
We'll have to see if WWE continues with their plan to debut Mia Yim on SmackDown this week. And I just hope they do right with Mia Yim. Just don't call her uh, Reckoning. Just call her Mia Yim. She's the HBIC, the head baddie in charge. And I think a feud with Carmella is a step in the right direction to uh, introduce Mia Yim. Just to shed that Reckoning character because it wasn't going anywhere. Now, knowing SmackDown, I hope they do right. Because they've been pushing some of the younger guys. Just going to have to wait and see, man. Just going to have to wait and see. Now, Keith Lee. This is a great transition. Where in the world is Keith Lee? Where is Keith Lee, you may ask? Now, he was supposed to um, wrestle in a triple threat match for the United States Championship. I believe it was at Elimination Chamber. Now, he was pulled from that match for reasons that have not been disclosed, and many fans are wondering what's going on with the former NXT champion. Dave Meltzer was asked about Keith Lee's status during Wrestling Observer Radio in the mailbag, and this is what he said. I don't know anything that's going on with Keith Lee. He's okay, but obviously he's not being used. I don't know what the whole story is. Now, Keith Lee is okay and ready to wrestle, but WWE hasn't put him into anything significant for quite a while. He has a lot of uh, momentum, and the th- and then the former NXT champion hit one inst- instance of bad luck after another. Now, I'm hoping he returns. I don't know if they might move him to SmackDown, because apparently there's a report going around that um they want to shake up the roster with fresh new faces. And I don't put it past this company to do uh to do right. Like, and I, I will talk about that later when we get to uh, this part of the news. But I hope Keith Lee comes back and if he does come back, move him to SmackDown so he could be with Mia Yim. I think that's one way you could do it. Or they might keep him on Raw where they still won't have any plans for him. So that's one thing. And if you're hearing that sound, I'm cracking my knuckles. Now, on NXT, we've been seeing the Diamond Mind tees for a while. Now, many people were suspecting it was Tessa Blanchard, but Tessa Blanchard had nothing to do with it because people immediately thought Tessa because of diamonds. I, I was thinking either Parker Bordeaux or maybe a debuting tag team like um Blake Christian and uh, Christian Casanova, if I'm correct. Now, it got a lot of people talking with this vignette, but it hasn't... But they haven't really explained Diamond Mind what it is yet. But it's coming, but fans are in the dark. But recent momentum behind the scenes could have given a much bigger clue. Uh, according to PW Insider, it was they reported that the Diamond Mind idea could be NXT's second show, which I would not be opposed if it's called Diamond Mind. NXT Diamond Mind, I don't know. It has a weird ring to it, maybe... I don't know. I think NXT Evolve has a better ring. Now, they have talked about doing a second television show, something with the Evolve brand, but totally different. Now, apparently, the plot for this episode, for this show has already been shot. It was explained that the Diamond Mine could be an offshoot brand, much like the ones we've been hearing that they've been working on. Now, PW Insider said, and I quote, Diamond Mine is more likely some of 
some like some sort of offshoot brand or concept to introduce new talent. We know that they've been trying to develop a new brand for the NXT division. This could be it. Now, WWE has not made any official announcement regarding the second NXT show yet. And it could be the name of the brand since NXT's roster is so full that they might be in talks. Again, we don't know if that's true or not. As I mentioned, they might be in talks with MLW about sending some stars there to gain experience. Now, can I see this as a show? Most likely, just to feature new talent? Definitely. Think of it like their version of NXT, their mini version of NXT to build up some of the new stars, and when they're ready for the top level, they go straight to NXT, like their call-up right there. But if this is a second show, it should be on either the WWE Network for International Fans and Peacock. And I will give my thoughts about it when, uh, when we get to that portion of the show. So I think it's a good idea. So we're just going to have to wait and see and get confirmation to see if it's true or not. Oscar, let's talk about Oscar for a bit, and she was recently interviewed on by ET Canada, and I think it's just a hype up her match with Oscar, but with uh not with Oscar, but with Rhea and Charlotte, but she also she discussed how important it is to be a role model for Asian fans, and she is a role model. I'm not gonna lie, she bet on herself and took a lot of chances. And now the Empress of Tomorrow can show others that they can achieve their dreams as well. Now, this is what she said. I want to say to Asian girls, don't give up your, on your dreams. When I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a WWE superstar. One day I asked my mom, can I be a WWE superstar? She said, no, you have to go to college. I also told my high school teacher, I want to be a WWE superstar. She laughed and said, don't be silly. I was shocked. I had no choice. I gave up on my dream once. I went to college, and after graduating from college, I started training. I couldn't give up on my dreams. My friends gave me confidence. You can do it. You can do it. I called a wrestling company in Tokyo. I left my hometown of Osaka, Japan. Now, I'm a WWE superstar. Don't give up your dreams. Now, she also talked about the rising crime against Asians, uh, Asian Americans, and hate crimes in, against Asians. And this is what she had. Now, before we get to that, this is the part that I really liked. She said, I had a problem, but I want to entertain people. It's my goal. My mother told me that I have to fight again. And this, I think this is when she was talking about when she had to retire one time. And she said that I had, when, and her mother told her that you got to fight again. There's been a visible upstick. Now, this is where she talks about uh, the hate against Asian Americans and Asians in general. She said, there's been a visible upstick in violence and hate speech against Asian people. And the person asks, how does it make you feel to see and hear about these terrible acts? And Oscar speaks for everybody and she speaks for me and, and she speaks in general by the way I say it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't understand. And this is the best quote right here. It's a waste of time to be hateful. Why people attack each other? We are people, right? Yeah, Oscar, I would say the same thing about most of the people right now. 
Now, she also shared her uh, experience dealing with racism. And this is what she said. I have only one experience with racism. It was around the time when COVID-19 started spreading. In America, I was at the airport. A woman came towards me. When she noticed me, she covered her mouth with her hands and ran away from me. I was shocked. It never happened before COVID-19. And like, oh my gosh, I didn't understand. And I was shocked. That's that's what Oscar said. She was shocked about her experience dealing with racism. She also gave advice for non-Asian people who want to support Asian communities. She says that it's important to understand the culture. And trust me, I always wanted to learn the the culture in in Asia, like mostly in Japan, because I like those who don't know. I said it on my Twitch channel. I and I want to say it here. My dream vacation is to go to Japan and learn about their culture because like I don't know why I just love Japan. I love their uh their culture. And I've always been respectful for that. Now, if people would educate themselves a little bit more, then the world would certainly be a better place, which I also agree. Now, the Raw Women's Champion also suggested that people get into Japanese culture like anime. I need to get back into my anime game. But I have read mangas before. I need to get into that. Cards and video games, which is like my specialty. As well as some Asian food, which I might... I really want to try uh, Kushikatsu. That's really one of the uh, places... One of the foods I want to try from Japan. And also during the interview, she she was asked about her dream opponent. Now, she named Triple H. And if I were to be a better man, I would much rather have Oscar retire Triple H. And I think Triple H would be honored with that because I think Triple H thinks Oscar is one of his favorite uh, talents right now in WWE. She said, I want to wrestle Triple H and Ric Flair. I fought many great WWE superstars. And she's like, oh, I want to wrestle Ronda Rousey one day. And that would be great. But it looks like that's going to have to be put on hold for a brief moment. But like I said, when Ronda was on WWE, I just said, can you imagine a match between... Like, I would not mind Ronda being the one to end Oscar's undefeated streak. That would have been perfect if you would have asked me. That would be amazing. So, all I can say is good luck to Oscar. Now, here's a here's a thing you might be surprised with: Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. They have started their own podcast. Congratulations to Billy and Peyton Royce. Now, their new podcast is called Off Her Chops. Now, the first episode is coming soon. Jessica K tweeted out today to let fans know how nervous she is for that first episode to drop. Trust me. Trust me, Jessica. I know the feeling when I first started. I got nervous, and then it's gonna you're going to get used to it really, really fast. Now, the dis- description for this new podcast is quite interesting. It will be variety podcast hosted by Cassie Lee and Jesse. We'll have to see... Now, we'll have to see what the Aussies have in s- store for us. Uh, for the fans. I'm looking forward to it though. I think that's going to be really really cool. To uh, hear what they have to say. Now let's get into some big shit. And let's talk about Becky Lynch. 
Becky Lynch. Can I just mention she looks ripped and shredded? And she's literally close to returning to WWE. So, now, it looks like Becky has inked a new deal with WWE. And this is first reported by Ringside News. Uh, They report that Becky Lynch has signed a new deal with WWE. And the deal was reportedly done a few weeks ago. Now, there were talks of Becky returning to WrestleMania 37. And we heard back in November that Vince McMahon was hoping to have her back by Mania. Now, the company eventually wants to do a singles match between Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, which should have been a singles match at WrestleMania 35. Just saying. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen because Ronda Rousey is currently pregnant. And like I said, congrats. And I say it again, congrats to our Ronda Rousey. Lynch's last contract was signed in March of 2019 for multiple years, and she got a pay raise. Now, there's no word yet on the terms of the new deal, but since she is considered to be one of the biggest draws, it's likely that WWE locked her in for at least three more years for more money. So you're going to be seeing the man pretty soon. And I think the storyline that would be her never losing the Raw Women's Championship, and it could play off like that. I don't know if she's going to return to Monday Night Raw. They might move her to SmackDown. But God knows that... That Raw Women's Division is in shambles. And I think Becky Lynch could bring some life into it. But we're just going to have to wait and see. And I think that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Now, Paul Heyman. There was an update on his unscripted comments on Daniel Bryan for from SmackDown last week. On the throwback edition. Which they did their best numbers. Now, in a follow-up to the story from Ringside News, and I'm doing this in air quote, about Paul Heyman going off the script on Friday, Meltzer reported that the story is accurate and Daniel Bryan's Tim Bell salute was not on the script. However, Heyman did get approval to mention Bryan in the opening segment of this show. Now, as we reported on Saturday, and I said last week about Daniel Bryan, WWE officials are very hopeful about Brian signing a new contract and returning to action. Whether or not that actually happens remains to be seen, and people know that no Brian have no idea what he plans on doing in the pro wrestling. Everything regarding his future is being kept close to the vest. No, to the vest. Obviously, his wife Brie Bella would be the only other person who would be the first to know about his decision. Now, Brian is currently not under contract with the company, but the company is working hard to get him to sign a new deal because God knows they don't want him to go to AEW. God knows they don't want him to go to New Japan. God knows they don't want him to go to Ring of Honor or Impact or NWA or somewhere. I'm just saying. Um, the talks with Brian dates back to late last year. And he said publicly that he tried to get out of the triple threat match at Mania because he felt that the match was better as just a singles match between Edge and Roman Reigns. Bryan had also said that he was checked out for his uh, Mania match. He previously expressed interest in wrestling dream matches outside of WWE, including a mask versus hair match and CMLL, among other places. Now, in regards to Heyman getting approval to mention Bryan, that should give you a further indication of as to how the company feels about him. 
if they were not confident about him returning, then his name would wouldn't have been mentioned. So, like, they might give him a like I said, they might give Brian a part time deal. That way he can wrestle some dates. If I was WWE, I would listen to Daniel Bryan, give him what he wants. But under one condition, make sure you don't injure yourself. Okay? Now, Paul Heyman going off the script, it was still entertaining. I loved it. I love that off the script, Tim Bell salute to Bryan, and he did his own ding in which I mentioned Roman was trying not to laugh because he was trying to stay in character the entire time. Now, I, I just think Brian. I don't know if he's going to go anywhere. Maybe he might retire from the ring. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Or maybe Bree might convince him for one more run. Because I feel like they might. Bree Bella might be planning a comeback with Nikki to go after the women's tag titles. And I feel like that's the end game right there. They want to make the Bella Twins the women's tag team champions. That's what I feel like is going to happen. Now, moving along, let's talk about the Usos. Jimmy made his return uh, last. He made his return last week on SmackDown. But, and if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead because this is what I feel like is going to happen. Now, WrestlingNews.co they reported several months back that Jimmy would eventually join Roman Reigns' stable. Now they began planting seeds for Jimmy to join his brother Jay. Paul Heyman and Reigns when Jimmy stood up to Reigns earlier in the show. Now at the end of the show, Jimmy helped his brother after Cesaro jumped in the ring to attack Reigns. Now WrestlingNews.co was told that the next several months are mapped out for Reigns and his faction. And the plan is for Jimmy and Jay Uso to win the SmackDown tag team titles from a babyface team in the coming months. And... I already had my prediction for a uh, backlash with the SmackDown women, the SmackDown Tag Team t- Championships. I will give you my thoughts on that, and like I want to save that for the end because I'm gonna do my predictions for backlash. I refuse to call it WrestleMania backlash. It's fucking backlash. All right. So I know where this direction is gonna go. So. Jimmy and Jay, more than likely, they will win the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And you got them as the champs, Roman's the champ. It's It looks great. It's going to look great, I'm telling you. And we could actually get our match between the Street Profits and uh, the Usos. That's a fresh matchup that I want to see for the tag titles. That would be fresh, and I will look forward to it. want to sing congratulations to Gangrel. Um, he recently proposed uh, to his girlfriend while attending a New York Yankees game at Yankee Stadium. And she said yes. So, congrats to uh, to Gangrel. Just a quick congratulations shout out to one of the members of the Brood. Now, NXT. I want to do this trend with NXT for a bit. NXT is coming back with a takeover in your house. So, Fivefold Select reported that the plan for NXT TakeOver show is to take place on Sunday, June 13th. It will be titled NXT TakeOver in Your House. The report stated that WWE has told the wrestlers about the date as well as the theme. 
Now, after being on hiatus for more than 20 years, WWE bought this pay-per-view event theme back, but did so with the NXT brand last June, and even had an old-school set. It took place in Full Sail uh, University, and it featured some notable matches, like Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream, and a backlot brawl, which was not a good match. Cross versus Ciampa was badass. And the main event was the women's championship where Io Shirai won her championship at In Your House. And a really great feel-good moment. I really loved it. Really loved it. And I'm glad that In Your House is now a traditional thing now. And I'm really glad that they bought this back. Now, let's talk about SummerSlam. Yes, yes, SummerSlam. So, SummerSlam is around the corner in about... Two months, no, in three months to be June, July, August. August is the big month for SummerSlam. And it looks like they have a locked in date, which will be on Sunday, August 22nd, according to PW Insider. Um, WWE, they're still working on securing a location for the show since some states are relaxing restrictions. And with AEW and other sporting events looking to run events at full capacity. It's likely that SummerSlam will run in a standard arena with fans. Now, continuing with this story, they are considering a famous venue for this year's SummerSlam, and that venue, according to um, according to Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio, he thinks that WWE is thinking about holding the show at Madison Square Garden, which has been con- which is considered the home of WWE for decades. Now, in recent years, WWE has been holding shows in Brooklyn, where in the region, as it's cheaper to host uh, shows at the Barclays Center instead of Madison Square Garden. Now, Dave said, I've heard Madison Square Garden. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. It may not be, but it's under consideration. It's not like it's been, been announced or anything. And another location that they're looking at and this is according to Fightful, is like they're looking at locations, but internally, Las Vegas seems to be gaining a lot of steam. Vegas does have the Alley Giant Stadium where the Raiders play, and it should be noted that WWE wants to hold a show at an outdoor venue. So the only problem with this stadium is the roof doesn't open. It's still possible WWE decides on a venue or another stadium in the state of Nevada. So, Madison Square Garden, it would be a nice return to get uh, fans into the building or something like that at full capacity. But if, like, I don't know. Like, I'm usually iffy on full capacity crowds, but if they play the restriction parts right, then, and there's no news that, and I say this, I'm going to say the same with AEW when they get back on the road. Um, I just hope nobody, there's a, I hope there's no story going around that there's multiple COVID outbreaks that happen during one event like that. But, um, if I were to pick, I mean, if you want to gain more tractions, Las Vegas would be perfect. I think Las Vegas would be perfect, but I would not be opposed to Madison Square Garden. I think that would be really nice if you want an indoor venue. Outdoor, Las Las Vegas would be perfect. Now, 
NXT, they are offering more fans the opportunity to attend NXT shows. And this is according to John Alba. He uh, tweeted that WWE sent out an email to people knowing that they're giving more fans the opportunity to attend shows starting in May 18th. Now, it's unclear whether the seating capacity will be adjusted or if it's just a situation where other fans who haven't attended can do so instead of the normal bunch. And he tweeted out, looks like WWE may be starting to open up its NXT tapings to more fans. This is the first time I've ever gotten an email like this. Haven't gone to events. COVID testing will now be done on site for free, regardless of vaccination status. Seems like a safe route, which... Just for clarity, I don't know if this means more people in the building or not, just offering the opportunity for more fans. Now, it was reported last week that WWE does have plans uh, to start running NXT house shows with fans again in the coming months. WWE has announced some big matches for the next two episodes of NXT, which we will talk about later on the NXT portion of the show. And I think it's, like, if, I don't know, man. Like, if everything's back to normal a little bit, like, if they want to bring in more fans and everyone's vaccinated, I think that will be perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And there's no reports of people getting COVID and also following the protocol. I think it will work if done right. Now, this is a big story right here. I want to talk about this. Now, Thea Trinidad... I haven't seen her on Twitch lately. She's been awfully silent on Twitch. But she is on Discord. But WWE is likely planning on bringing back Zelina Vega. Several months after departing from WWE, Zelina Vega appears to be on her way back. Fightful Select reported Vega was at the Performance Center today. And it was said that it wasn't just a visit, but rather she was being filmed for some reason there. Now, it was added that they have been told the working plan is for her to return to the company. For those who don't know, she was released by WWE last November for reasons related to WWE's new third-party edict. At the time, Sports Illustrated reported that it was due to her breaching her contract. This came after Vince McMahon put out an edict that would ban WWE stars from using third-party cameos such as Twitch, Cameo, no, third-party platforms such as Twitch, Cameo, and OnlyFans. It has been clarified that wrestlers can use these platforms but must use their real name. And from what also I have heard, and I'm no journalist here, like, and I'm being honest, I'm not a journalist, but I have also heard that um, Zelina Vega might be returning to the main roster and not... NXT, which is kind of bizarre if you ask me. Now, I don't know what they have planned for Zelina Vega because it's going to correlate with this story. WWE wants fresh faces on Raw. SmackDown star may be switching brands. There's talk of another shakeup in WWE as Vince McMahon is looking for fresh faces on Monday Night Raw. According to WrestleVotes, they're reporting that there's been talk backstage about the Raw roster needing some fresh faces. Well, no shit. They noted that there's been talks of Damian Priest getting a bigger push and Aleister Black moving over from SmackDown to Monday Night Raw. 
Black is about to return after being on the sidelines for several months. Ironically, Black was moved to SmackDown last October as part of the draft. Now, the feeling is that now Randy Orton being in a tag team with Matt Riddle and AJ Styles teaming with Omos, the top of the Raw singles roster is a bit weak right now. Well, whose fault is it? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, if you want fresh faces, why not Ricochet? Why not Ali? Why not, um... Angel Garza, he's a top guy. He could be a top guy. You just need to give him a chance. Like, I'm just saying. Now, if they would have did the same with the women, it would have been... Like, I would go on about who needs to be... Who needs to be used better. I'm just saying. But, if they want to talk about using new faces on Raw by moving Aleister Black to SmackDown, that's a terrible idea. How about use the people that you're not even using as top stars? Like a Ricochet. Where the hell is Ricochet competing on main event with Ali? Another guy that they should have used better. They could be top stars if you give them a chance. Like, some of them on the mid-card could be up more. Keith Lee should be... When he returns, if he's on Raw, he needs to be at the top of the level. He needs to be at the top. That's just the way I see things. In my honest opinion. So, Zelina Vega, let me let me continue with Zelina for a bit. I would not be surprised if she does return, but the question is, what brand does she go to if she's returning to the main roster? They might put her on Raw, they might put her on SmackDown. I don't know what they have planned for Zelina if she does return. We're just going to have to wait and see. Now, before we talk about Monday Night Bore, because the show is boring... We had an interesting name spotted backstage. And it could be a sign that he has moved to the main roster. And according to Dave Meltzer, Velveteen Dream is backstage at Monday Night Raw. Was backstage on Monday Night Raw. He hasn't been seen for months on NXT TV. And there's been questions about his future since the speaking out allegation against him. Now, there's no charges filed against him. But there have been outcry from fans to get WWE to take action on him. Now, it appears that his spot in the company is safe, but his presence backstage does not guarantee that he will appear uh, on Monday Night Raw, which he wasn't. And we got the latest on the dream. PW Insider chimed in. They report that WWE didn't have any creative plans for him. I mean, that's not a surprise. I mean, when I hear it doesn't have any creative plans for him, her, on the show... As it stands right now, there's just no word yet on why he was bought up. And he hasn't been seen as much as seen much at the performance center uh, in recent months. And his last match was against Adam Cole on the 23rd of December. And then he was absent, and he was also involved in a car accident. And now get this. WWE apparently has no immediate plans. For the Velveteen Dream. Um, th- This is from PW Insider. They posted another update. Saying that. They stated that Drew was. At no point scheduled to appear in any fashion. Now it was noted that he. Has not been seen much. In the performance center. But. Dream lives close enough to drive to the building. So it's likely that. He made the decision to visit with people backstage. But it doesn't look like. There are any immediate plans for him. 
So I don't know what's going on with Velveteen Dream, but if I'm WWE and like I don't know if he's gonna be used on Monday Night Raw. If he is, then everyone's gonna have Fire Velveteen Dream trending on Twitter, and you don't want that. You don't want that bad publicity. Just let him go. Let him go. Get it out of your get it out of your misery because it's not gonna end well for you if you don't fire Velveteen Dream. So I'm just saying. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw for a bit. Briefly, this show... How would I put this? It's just so fucking boring. It's so boring. Like, it's... Like... This is your go-home show for Backlash. And we've seen half the rematches... Half the matches that we're gonna see on fucking pay-per-view. Like, we opened the show, which... Look... I don't mind them opening a show with matches instead of doing these long-ass promos. But we open with a six-woman tag between Asuka, Mandy, and Dana versus Shayna, Nia, and Charlotte. You had Alexa Bliss at ring... Not at ringside, but at the, at the entrance ramp just saying, I got my eye on one of you six people. This match was not good. This was not good. It just wasn't good. You had Shayna pretending that her legs was... Stopped working because I believe Alexa was using some voodoo magic or something. Um, Oscar hits the like the shining wizard on Shayna and beats her right there. Charlotte laid out Oscar with a big boot just to remind fans that we have a Raw Women's Championship match between Rhea, Oscar, and Charlotte. And we see Alexa laughing, and I'm thinking to myself watching this, it's either. Charlotte or Asuka? And somebody told me it's Asuka just so Vince could bury her even more. I don't know if it's going to be Asuka. Now, I would say Charlotte because it would make sense. Lily was... Like, if you looked, um, Lily was looking at Sonya Deville last week. And I'm thinking this might play a part to have Alexa go after Charlotte. I don't know. But... Again, I, I don't know what their plan is. Because it looks like they're building the women's division around Alexa Bliss. That's just how I see it. MVP was not not knocking on Braun Strowman's door backstage. And he walks in and he sees Strowman talking to a staffer. He turns around and he tells MVP to get out. But he came to discuss business, but Braun isn't interested. He tells Braun to hear him out. And he said Lashley didn't beat Strowman last week. Drew did. Lashley praised Strowman to MVP and said it would have been close if it weren't for Drew. And Braun, he's starting to lose his patience. And MVP says Lashley isn't going to lose the title. But if he did, he'd rather lose it to Braun Strowman. And he brings up how it, it would be Strowman versus Lashley in a singles match if Drew were to suffer an injury tonight. And he fumes and he says he really doesn't like MVP. And MVP does... He said, I understand. And it's just business and he leaves. So it's going to play a part what happens in the main event. Damian Priest requested a match uh, for the... At Backlash, he requested a match against The Miz. And we see Adam Pearce talking to Priest backstage. You got Miz and Morrison walking in. And he's 
he called them all to talk about the idea Priest had. Now, Morrison had a better idea. So, Priest said, if I beat Morrison tonight, I get to... I get to pick a stipulation, but if you beat me, you get to pick a stipulation between Miz versus Priest at Backlash. So Miz isn't down with the idea, but Morrison interrupts and says that he accepts. So again, Miz and Morrison heading into Crack Splitsville. That's where they're going to be going. Jinder Mahal made his return to Monday Night Raw, and he's excited and happy to be back. But he's not alone. And he introduces Veer uh, from Indushare. Uh, you know, Rinku Singh. That's who he was. Now he's Veer. And Sh- Shanky. Now, he gender pretty much goes on and he says he will remind everyone why he, he was a former WWE champion. So we get this match and... Um, like Jeff Hardy, he loses again. And here's a report on this. One of the topics of conversation coming out of last night's Raw was Jeff Hardy losing what was essentially a squash match to a returning Jinder Mahal. Now, there have been speculation that Hardy is being buried by WWE because his contract might be coming up. WrestlingNews.co asked someone at WWE about this, and they were told that Hardy has two more years left on his deal. Hardy said last year during an interview that he resigned with the company and plans is for him to bring back No More Words entrance music once WWE goes back on the road. Now, they were also told that the change of theme music is still in the cards, but apparently he's not getting buried. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Now, they were told that WWE simply rotating talent so... So some people will be uh, moved to the back burner for now. This is essentially what happened with wrestlers like Angel Garza, Nikki Cross, and Humberto Carrillo. After being sidelined for months, WWE is starting to push Garza and Carrillo. And Cross is about to return to Raw pretty soon to interact again with Alexa Bliss. So yeah, Jeff Hardy is not buried, right? Give me a break. Now, as for Jinder Mahal, they are told that he's slated to get a big push, and the idea is to to build him up against Drew McIntyre in the summer months. So it looks like that's going to be a match at SummerSlam. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. We see Charlotte Flair. She was talking to Sonya Deville backstage, and just to fast forward, um, she called Rhea Ripley to her office, and Oscar walks in, and Deville says... We're going to resolve this peacefully. And the two of you have been at each other's throat for a while. Well, for weeks now. And she was given an idea and she likes it. And she wants, she makes Oscar versus Ripley for tonight. And Ripley's asks who came up with this idea, but DeVille won't say who it was. And we all knew Charlotte came up with that idea. I mean, come on. And Ripley said if she wonders if this is Flair's idea, so that... So they will beat up. They will be beat up for backlash. And Oscar says she's already been in the ring once tonight, but she'll do it again because she's ready for Rhea. And Ripley says she will beat Oscar tonight and beat her. She did. Like on the go home show, clean. How does this 
like, like I'm just asking myself, why would you have Rhea and Oscar in the same ring? You want to know how I would fix that? Like, have Rhea throw Oscar at Charlotte, like to Charlotte, and this pisses off Charlotte. She attacks both women, lays them out, poses with the Raw Women's Championship to sell the final build. Yes, it would have ended a disqualification. But do you know how much it pissed off a lot of people? Ask Dave Batista because Dave is a big fan of Oscar. Batista is a big fan of Oscar. The animal Dave Batista called out WWE's booking on why would you have her job to Rhea Ripley before the pay-per-view. Which I agree with Batista with. I'm not saying she's jobbing out, but look, the match, it wasn't good. Like, it was better than the rematch that they had at uh, the Raw after Mania, but it was still not good. And now I see why they added Charlotte Flair, but the main priority, I'm going to say this when I get to the prediction, Charlotte should not be there to just be a stepping stone for someone else. Like, Asuka should not be there to take a pin. Nine times out of ten, she's going to be there to eat... Eat the pin. Because she's a scapegoat. She's a scapegoat. They don't value her as her talent. Like, they if you want to build Rhea up as someone credible, she's already got a pin over Asuka. She needs to pin Charlotte Flair. And I hope that's what they do. You don't want to piss off the IWC, I'm just saying. Now, rewinding a little bit, we had uh, RK Bro in the New Day. They defeated Elias, Riker, and um, the Raw Tag Team t- Champions, Styles and Omas. Now, Orton, he hit both New Day members with an RKO, and that was pretty much it. Humberto Carrillo versus Sheamus ended in a no contest, and it was a scary moment. Um, it was like a sunset flip powerbomb spot that just looked awful. It was a scary moment, and... He, the two stars landed badly, but Sheamus came crashing down on his on Carrillo's knee. And the match was literally ended because they wanted to make sure Carrillo was okay. And Dave Meltzer and PW Insider confirmed that Carrillo is okay after the ba- bad landing. Now, this wasn't the planned finish, but rather after the landing, Carrillo signaled for the referee and was ch- then checked on. And... So, Melson said on today's Wrestling Observer Radio that Humberto is okay. If he needed to wrestle, if he's needed to wrestle tomorrow, he could. That they may do an injury angle out of it, but he's fine. That wasn't the planned finish. So, thankfully, he is okay because that was really seeing it in slow motion. It looked really fucking brutal, to be quite honest. It really did. I thought Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander was fine. I just wish they could have gave them more time. Shelton beat Cedric Alexander, and it looks like that's a feud that's going to happen, but I don't know what's going on with Cedric. I don't know what's next with Cedric Alexander. He should go back to NXT and just challenge Kushida for the Cruiserweight Championship. That, that That's just the way I see it, in my honest opinion. They showed Damian Priest versus John Morrison, which was another alright match. I love how um, John Morrison sold the Reckoning, or the Hit the Lights, sold it very well. So Damian Priest wins, and the stipulation that he chose was a Lumberjack match. Oh joy, I can't wait for that. Because you know I'm not a fan of Lumberjack matches. 
Because you know there's going to be chaotic brawls outside of the uh, ring. And it's just not the thing for me. I'm sorry. It's just not. They showed a vignette of Eva Marie, a new uh, vignette. She's at a photo shoot, talks about seeing levels of fame and fortune she never imagined at the beginning of her career. Some people see her as a supermodel, but she likes to see herself as a super role model. Uh, role model, Bailey would like to have a word with you, please. Now, apparently this vignette, apparently they're going to bring her back as a face. And I'm like, how is this going to work? Because you know how they try to do that Emelina thing? It did not work. It just, it was dropped immediately. And I don't think this might work either. And I'm being complete, completely honest with you guys. So, in the main event, we had Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. Same with Oscar and Charlotte. Oscar and Rhea. This is the same match. Same match we saw. And... Half of it is going to be featured on the pay-per-view. This match ended in a disqualification. Strowman came in and attacked uh, attacked Drew, if I'm correct. Laid him out with a power slam. Like, Bobby is shaking his hand, hugs him. But Strowman wasn't buying it. He attacked uh, Lashley on the outside. Power slammed him on the uh, barricade. And he posed at the end to close out the show. The show was boring. A boring edition of Monday Night Raw. Every fucking... I asked once for this company to do better. To do better on a three-hour show when you got an ass-load of talent that you could be featuring. Like I said, I want to see Ricochet. I want to see Ali. Give them an opportunity. I'm just saying. Shed that Akira Tozawa's ninja shit. Have him be back to that killer that we saw in the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, I don't want this hokey shit, you know? The Alexa Bliss thing, I don't know what they're doing with Alexa Bliss. I don't know what their plan is for Bliss. And quite frankly, I just don't care. And don't get me wrong. Bliss is playing the role very well. I give her that. But the booking, I just don't know what's going on with the booking. Now, before we talk about NXT, Bray Wyatt was on uh, everyone's minds. And, um... It's a really sad thing to hear because I know because it, it was his mental health that's um, that's been going on because it looks like he's still coping with the loss of John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper. And he's been having some mental health issues over the passing of his friend. And that could be one of his... One of the reasons why we haven't been seeing him on um, Monday Night Raw. So, some people are saying that he was backstage. Some people are saying they don't know what's going on with Bray. But, like, for my sake, I hope he's alright. Because I know that's a loss that he... Because he was very close with uh, John Huber. He was very close with Brody Lee. That's... And he was, like, a great friend of his. And I know it really affects him really hard. So, I just hope he's alright, man. Like, that's the only thing that matters to me. So, sending my thoughts to uh, Bray Wyatt, hope, hoping that he's all okay. And I'm sending prayers to him, because I know that's a loss that is really hard to deal with. I thought NXT was a great show, man. NXT was great. I enjoy NXT. That Now that they're moving... 
now that they moved to Tuesday, I'm just so happy that they're focusing on themselves and not worrying about AEW. That's the thing I love. But this was a great show. We opened it with Karrion Cross versus Austin Theory. I thought this was a really good match. Um, I also love that Cross applied the Cross jacket on Theory while staring at Johnny Gargano. That is a nice attention to detail. I love it. I love it. Just to tell Gargano, you fuck with me, you're dead. So, Austin Theory's out. Karrion Cross wins. And I love this camera shot. Finn Balor suddenly appears next to Cross in the ring, and Balor says he's tired of raiding. Like, I jumped through the line. I want my rematch. Cross tells him, wants it just as bad as Balor, and he says, let's do this. And that's going to be like, I believe in two weeks or next week. I think it's two weeks. I believe it's two weeks. So... I thought this was really good, so that they set that match up. Leon Ruff confronted NXT General Manager William Regal in his office earlier today, and he wants to compete tonight. But Regal refused to book him because of the beating he took in that Falls Count Anywhere match against Isaiah Swerve Scott last week. And he's yelling at Regal, knocking stuff down, and when you get on... When you get Regal fired up, it's it's just magic. I love it. I love it when Regal gets angry. He tells him, that is not my control. I'm not changing my mind. And he just, and Ruff just storms off. And you'll see what he does after, uh, what he does later during the show. I thought MSK versus Brizongo was fun. Um, and I know people were talking about the ref spot. And I said, that's some PWG shit that you would see. And it got the crowd pumped. And I loved it. Some people didn't like it, but I loved it. And I know there's going to be some people saying, well, if if AEW did it, people would not complain about it. No shit. No shit. Like, this is... And my brother said it best. He said it best. This is like Triple H's version of PWG. Like, if I'm correct, half the people in NXT have wrestled in PWG. Am I right? Like... MSK, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Um, who else? Who else has wrestled? Ciampa, Gargano, Candice LeRae. Need I say more? But I did not have a problem with the ref spot. I thought it was it was enjoyable. But MSK, they won. They showed respect to Brizongo. And they look at the camera and they tell Legato Del Fantasma, you know where to find us. If you want us so bad, you know where to find us. And it looks like they're going to be setting them up for a tag team title match, which I'm going to presume is going to take place at TakeOver in your house. I think that's that's the right destination if you ask me. Johnny Gargano storms into NXT's general manager William Regal's office. And he's talking about not... He's upset about defending his North American title against Bronson Reed uh, next week. And Regal says, I ain't changing my mind, but I wish you luck. And Gargano, he just takes a pen. He was going to take the brass knuckles. And and Regal told Gargano, don't touch that. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. So he takes a pencil and he fucking snaps it in anger and walks off. I really enjoy Johnny as as a heel. I think he's doing really good. 
Now, Pete Dunne, he's in the ring with uh, Oni Lorcan, and Dunne says N- the NXT champion, Karrion Cross has chosen Finn Balor, but he doesn't blame him because we all know Dunne is the toughest possible opponent. He warns uh, that he will get the NXT title sooner or later, but he wants to issue an open challenge to anyone in the back. So Leon Ruff, he is suddenly attacks uh, from the he attacks him from the side, and they brawl until Dunn goes to the floor, and then we get this match. And when I say you don't want to piss off Pete Dunn, you don't want to piss off Pete Dunn. There's one thing I cringe at every time I see Pete Dunn in the ring wrestling joint manipulation on the fingers. Like, dude, I cringe all the time because. Fingers are not supposed to bend like that. But this was a really good match. Pete Dunne, he gets a win over Leon Ruff. And just that insult to injury, snaps his fingers. And that's that. Um, We get a vignette for Frankie Monet making her in-ring debut in two weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be fun. And I want to talk about this one. The NXT Women's Championship match. Raquel Gonzalez take defending her title against Mercedes Martinez. This was an okay match. A little bot, some botches, some messy moments here and there. Um, Raquel won. She retained, but it was during a network exclusive that she walked up to Mercedes and she pretty much told her respect. So she showed respect to Mercedes Martinez, and the camera. Custer Dakota Kai just confused and frustrated like what are you talking about and she walked out hits the door out of anger and just you know they're planting the seeds right here it's happening and what did I say I think Dakota Kai's turning heel Raquel's gonna be the baby face in this feud that's the right direction that is the right direction like, and if this this is going to be one of the top programs for the NXT Women's title. And I think it's going to happen after Raquel defends her title against Io Shirai. I don't know if it's going to be at In Your House. I don't know if it's going to be at a SummerSlam takeover. But I think Io is going to be feuding with Frankie Monet. And after that, I think they should move Io in the tag team title hunt with Saray. I think that's the right direction, in my honest opinion. Now, backstage, we see security and officials... Uh, pushing the ways uh, Gargano and Theory out of the locker room. And we see that they attacked Bronson Reed from the ground. And he pretty much said Gargano is a dead man. Now we get to the best thing on this show. Isaiah Swerve Scott. He comes out and says NXT is about to get real spooky. The lights go out and we see Hit Row. AJ Francis, Ashanti Theodonis, and Brianna Brandy. They all headed the ring, and their new stable is called Hit Row. I love this. I think this is going to go all the way. Um, The graphics is shown on high. Francis, he grabs a red chair for Swerve, and Isaiah admits that he made some mistakes here in NXT, but the biggest was trying to be what the people wanted him to be, and that's not him. What Swerve is, is a savage, disrespectful, dangerous man. Um, <clears throat> that's how he's been thinking for the last six months. So it was, only the, it was only right that he recruits some people who think 
the same way he does. So he introduces Top Dollar Francis, and he rhymes about going to the NFL, to A&E, to XXL Magazine, to NXT, which I thought his rap bars were really good. Francis was rapping as he as others cheer on him. Adonis raps and Bra- Brandy is next, calling herself B-Fab. She brings up rapping on tour with Juicy J and living overseas, and she's here to help Swerve. They also rap about talking, taking out Leon Ruff last week, and Swerve says they have, they're just having fun, but what we see in the ring is a problem. Together, they make hits. They are hit row, and if we didn't know, now we know. I think Hit Row is going to be the stable that you are going to look out for. And sooner or later, I'm going to call it right now, Isaiah Swerve Scott is going to be inching closer to main event status because he should be in the main event. This guy is just innovative. If he's not NXT champion by then, he will be the best thing on NXT. I'm telling you right now, that would be really good. We get a footage of an estate auction held earlier today, and you got Cameron Grimes interrupting the host. They started the bid of $2 million, and we all know where this was going. Grimes yells, now, he bids $8 million, going once, going twice, and, of course, Ted DiBiase bids $20 million on the house, and it's a done deal. And Grimes is furious. I love this. I don't know where this is going, but he says Ted is ruining his life, and he repeats, everybody's got a price, and he walks off. So <laughs> Grimes continuing screaming. I thought it was hilarious. Kyle O'Reilly, he had a good match with Oni Lorcan. Um, Pete Dunn and Lorcan attack O'Reilly, and out comes a returning Bobby Fish. We haven't heard from Bobby Fish in a while, and I'm glad that he's back. So, um, Fish stares at O'Reilly and he says, look, I understand, um, you're doing your own thing. And Fish mentions that he has his own score to settle. And he says he'll, he'll see O'Reilly when he sees him. Fish exits the ring as O'Reilly looks on. So it looks like we could be seeing a tag team with, with these two, Red Dragon again. Because that would really help out the NXT Tag Team Division. I'm just saying. But it looks like they're pushing Kyle O'Reilly to the main event slot. That's just how I see it. Uh, We got Bronson Reed backstage. And he is pissed after being attacked by Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano. Now he says, I'm tired of Johnny's... I'm tired of the NXT North American champion Johnny Gargano. Tired of him and Theory. Tired of the way. He met with Mr. Regal and now he... Now has what he wants. Next week, in the main event, which I love, and I'm just happy that all the titles of have main event are main eventing NXT. It just shows how fucking important all those titles are. Prestige is the key word, and Triple H has is making all these titles feel important. So next week, the North American title will take place. In a steel cage match. And Bronson needs to win this one. I feel like that would be the right outcome. Bronson Reed should be your next NXT North American Championship. Champion. Damn it, here, he, here I go again. 
Um, in the main event, the Cruiserweight title was on a line and a two out of three falls match. This was excellent. I enjoyed this. Kushida retained and Santos, he got one score, but Kushida, he manages to win. And I love, I just love the match. I thought it was high. It made my blood pump. It made me say, you know what? This is what the Cruiserweight division should have been a long time ago. And I think Kushida retaining the title is the right outcome. I love it. I think it's great. So that was NXT. I thought it was a really fun show. I enjoyed it. Uh, NXT UK, just a brief thing. I paid attention to the main event. Um, Mako Sadamore is the number one contender for the NXT UK Women's Championship. So she will be getting another shot against um, Kaylee Ray. Originally, Zaya Brookside was supposed to be in a match with... Um, Isla Dawn, Amelia McKenzie, Jenny, and Danny Luna, if I pronounced it right. But uh, she got attacked and she got replaced by Mako. So it looks like it. I I just gotta say, Mako already lost to uh Kaylee Ray. It it wouldn't make sense for her to lose again. And here's a fun fact: Kaylee has not lost a match, I believe, since 2019, or maybe 2020. Not not during a pandemic, but t- she hasn't lost a match since 2019, and that's a great record. And I just think, what's next for Kaylee Ray to do now? Nothing really. She's done everything, so I think now is a good time to put the title on Mako Satomura. That's just the way I see it, in my honest opinion. Before we talk about SmackDown, we have some breaking news that uh, I want to discuss, and it's. Very sad news to hear coming out of the wrestling world. Um, New Jack passed away. New Jack passed away at the age of 58 years old. And PW Insider confirmed this. Uh, they report that he passed away earlier today in North Carolina. And the news broke via um, Jerome Young's uh, wife, Jennifer. Now, New Jack was one of the most controversial <clears throat> wrestlers in the 90s as part of ECW because of his intensity in his matches and because of his unpredictable style where he would oftentimes introduce weapons to use on his opponents. Uh, Jack got his big break in wrestling uh, business and Jim Hornet's Smoky Mountain Wrestling as part of the Gangsters tag team with Mustafa Saeed. When the team made the jump to ECW, they became one of the hottest acts in the company. They were the first to wrestle matches with their theme song, Dr. Dre's Natural Born Killers, while was playing over the loudspeaker. Jack may be best remembered by fans for for his promo skills, or for diving off balconies, or for stabbing his opponents with sharp objects. His style eventually took a toll on his body, but he continued to wrestle on independent shows uh, up until his death. And Jack's life story in and out of the wrestling business was chronicled in Season 2 of Vice's Dark Side of the Ring, which I want you guys to watch. I I would recommend it. And um, I really do want to send my condolences to Jennifer and to New Jack's family because I know this is a very difficult time. And just thinking about, I was just watching New Jack surprise Jim Cornette doing an interview, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, 
I wonder how Jim Cornette's feeling right now because I know he's very close with him, and I know Heyman is close with him, with uh, New Jack, and I think that really hurts him as well. So it was very sad to hear this, and the pro wrestling world actually reacted um to his death. And if I could get to some of them. I'm going to start with Impact. They tweeted out, We are deeply saddened to learn the passing of Jerome <clears throat> New Jack Young. We offer our sincerest condolences to his family and friends. Mia Yim tweeted, um, R.I.P. New Jack. Same with Drake Maverick. Um, Sugar D- uh, Top Boy, or what I call Pineapple Pete, he tweeted, Ain't ever going to be another New Jack. And that's a fact. There's nobody that can that can replace him. Um, Justin, uh, Wang tweeted out, God damn, fucking bummed to hear New Jack died. One of my all-time favorites. As much shit as I always got for saying that. Matt Camp tweeted, One of the people who captivated me just because of how unique he was. And everything he did from his entrance to his matches to his promos was New Jack. Hearing Ice Cube and Dr. Dre throughout the entire match was the perfect soundtrack for Mayhem. R.I.P. <clears throat> uh, James Storm tweeted out, Just landed in Baltimore and heard the news of New Jack. i just seen him at the airport last Sunday walking with his face mask that said New Jack and he stopped and we chatted for about 45 minutes. Never take a day for granted. Malcolm Bivens... Um, and D.A. Buer tweeted out photos of New Jack. Joey Janela tweeted R.I.P. New Jack's, um, hashtag Siri play natural born killers. Lance Storm tweeted, we were complete opposites, but we always got along. Share the locker rooms together. R.I.P. New Jack. Um, Dax, no, Cash Wheeler tweeted by saying Dax and I were just talking talking this week about how good he was when he spoke. R.I.P. New Jack. Matt Hardy tweeted a photo of him meeting New Jack and Adam Pierce uh, tweeted this. I didn't share a ton of locker rooms with New Jack but when I did it was never dull. I always remember the first time I met him in uh, California. Let's just say it was eventful. Rest well, Jack. Godspeed. And those are just some of the tweets I wanted to bring, hang out. But just very, it's just so sad, man. Because the way I found out, my brother called me. And that's how I found out about his passing. Just, oh, man. It just was so unexpected. I did not expect, of all people, New Jack to in the wrestling world to pass away. Very, very sad, man. And like I said, my condolences, my prayers go out to his family and the wrestling community, his friends, for this difficult time. Man. Man, man, man. Like, I was just going to talk about SmackDown. That news had to break. But... Quickly, SmackDown, not much happened on the show. Um, this this was their final build towards um, Backlash. I refuse to call it WrestleMania Backlash. 
But briefly, Jey Uso, he opened the show. And he talked about Jimmy Uso has driven them to uh, to have to take care of some family business. And he introduces Roman in which he comes out with Paul Heyman. And Reigns gets on the mic saying that they've got a lot of problems, including Jimmy. But he wants to address Cesaro first. And he puts him over saying that he likes him like a lot of boys in the back. And he thinks he's great. And he goes so far as to say he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Which Cesaro is really is the best wrestler. Um, but as the tribal chief and head of the table, he's so much more than just a wrestler. And they've been dropping the word wrestlers uh, a lot lately. So, I'm just saying. Now, he asks Paul Heyman, you really think WWE or Fox wants Cesaro in his spot? He he said, look at the facts. Cesaro has, hasn't had one world title match Whereas Roman had like about 39. As far as Jimmy goes, and he's about to finish his sentence, out comes Jimmy Uso. Now, he gets on the mic, and he says all he can hear is the tribal chief running his mouth while his own brother is standing next to him, acting like his bitch. And by the way, can I just mention that Jimmy Uso was wearing that nobody's bitch shirt, which... They actually put it on the WWE shop, and I literally tweeted out, I I will buy that shirt one day, because that would be funny to wear, but I would not wear that at my job, because I would get fired. (coughs) Anyway, anyway, so he says that he has one for Jay when when he's ready to come to be with him. And he expects Cesaro to beat Roman, so he's planting the seed of doubt. Now, Jay demands he respect the family, and Jimmy says, I'm all about the family. And Reigns literally takes issue. And by the way, can I just mention Roman Reigns as a dick, like being a dickish heel, talking about Cesaro was just fantastic. I, I just love it. Like, I thought it was, I'm just saying, Roman is just too damn good at being a heel. And every time I look at it, I said, where was this Roman Reigns years ago? <laughs> that would, that's all I've been asking. So, <clears throat> he says that means that Jimmy has to be all about him for everything that he's done for the family. That's Roman saying this. But Jimmy doesn't go along with it, saying that Roman is part of the family, but not all of it. Now Reigns asks if he can really if he really thinks he could beat Cesaro and Jimmy said that he doesn't, so they bicker back and forth about the title. Roman tries to put him in his place by saying that he's the one that carries the burden and the responsibility that he can that he can never handle. And he ships gears asking if if he really thinks that Jimmy can can do what he does and be the man around here. And Jimmy does, and Roman mockingly suggests that he should go go ahead and do it before getting to the getting to his point. Just beat Cesaro. So Jimmy he called out the Swiss Superman and Cesaro comes out and pretty much accepted Jimmy's challenge. And later on tonight, and he tells Roman that he's going to beat Jimmy 
And then I'm going to beat you on Sunday to pull that Universal Championship. So I thought the opening segment was pretty good for what it was. So we have the women's tag team titles. Nia and Shayna defend their titles against Tamina and Natalya. And it was about time. It was about time. Like, Tamina and Natalya, they are your new women's tag team champions. The match itself, I really did not care about. But I, I literally tweeted out about the title change. Saying that it was the right time. And I hope to God. I hope to everything. In my life. Shayna moves away from Nia. And she does her own thing. Because God knows they need fucking heels. Like. And my friend Derek. He says about time that they take the titles off them. I didn't like them together one bit. <laughs> so, title change happened on SmackDown. And you had Natalia saying... Well, this, they were interviewed post-match. And Natalia says that this is for anybody who thinks their dream has passed them by. And she's very proud of Tamina. Now, she offered her gratitude to Natalia, which Tamina does... And to the WWE Universe and also their family. So they pose and Pyro goes off uh, behind them as they celebrated. So a little feel-good moment for Tamina and Natalia as they are your new uh, women's tag team champions. And I don't know where they go from here. I honestly don't know where they go. We're just going to have to wait and see. Apollo Crews, this was the next segment. He's gifting... um, Commander Aziz, the Nigerian Medal of Honor. Like, just not going to go through all his speech. But skipping through, Biggie, he appears on the Titan Tron. And he calls the award a sham. And re- reminds Cruz to not get used to the of holding this title. Because he still got to feel the power of Biggie. So Sammy comes out, talking about saying that he is making a joke about everything. But he respects the Medal of Honor. He respects his his tradition. Now, Kevin Owens comes out, and this leads into all four men brawling. And I think Big E was standing tall. Later during the show, you had Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville in the back. And Sonya says, he Adam won't do what uh, he did for the Raw on Raw when he put Braun Strowman in a triple threat match. And make it a fatal four-way. And it's like, you know what? That's a good idea. So next week, and I'm surprised this is not on the Backlash card, but whatever. It will be a fatal four-way for the Intercontinental Championship. So Apollo is still retaining the title. Like, that's that's all I'm going to say right here. Now, we have Rey Mysterio defeating Dolph Ziggler. I mean, a match that was supposed to happen yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, last week, but... It was moved to Dominic Mysterio taking on Dolph Ziggler. Now, before we get into Bianca Belair, I want to mention Mia Yim. I mentioned Mia Yim was supposed to debut, but she did not. And I think the reason being is because they want to save her debut on the SmackDown after Backlash. I think that's what the plan is. Because she was supposed to debut this week on SmackDown, but plans change so they moved it maybe to n- till next week I think that's what's gonna happen 
Now, Bianca Belair. She comes out, interviewed by Michael Cole in the ring, and she talks about being the best, and people have been doubting her her whole life. But she doesn't listen to them. She asks where Bailey is, and they show the replay of the last segment, last week's segment, where Bailey's talking about past women's champions, and she got to Bianca. Now Bailey appears on the Titan Tron, laughs at Bianca about like she's laughing about Bianca and her earrings, which is just this is like joking Bailey. Now, Belair asks her to come see her braid, and Bailey says, Look, I am far, far away, and you're just a big old idiot if you think I'm going to sh- get in that ring with you before Sunday. Now, Belair says she's going to hurt her feelings, and she's going to make her angry by saying this You're only mad because you got thrown down the ramp by the Bella Twins. Don't remind me of that. Please don't remind me of that. Just just don't. Just really don't. At WrestleMania, while she was in the main event winning the title on night one. And this really lit a fire in Bailey, And this is something that I want to see more. She got serious. And said that, you know what? You remind me of my... You know what, Bianca? You remind me of myself in the past. Um... But she got serious and told Bianca that that little fairy tale doesn't end well. And at Backlash, I'm going to make sure your reign ends badly. So, pissed off Bailey is the best Bailey. More of that, please. Period. End of story. We had King Corbin versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Battle of the Kings. And it's just amazing that King Corbin, like Baron Corbin has been... King of the Ring since 2019, and he still is coming out to this this King Corbin gimmick. I'm I'm just I'm just tired of it. Like he needs a new gimmick. This match was pointless. Corbin beat Nakamura, which really bothered me. I just turned away from one second. I'm like, what? Um. Post match, Nakamura attacked Corbin, hit him with the Kinshasa, laid him out, and. He looks at the crown, takes the crown, puts it on his head, and and I will admit, Nakamura wearing a, a king's crown is better than Baron Corbin wearing a crown. It looks better on Nakamura. I've seen him wear crowns in New Japan, because he is the king of strong style, by the way. So they're really making this a battle of kings, so battle for the crown, I guess. Whatever. In the main event, Cesaro defeated Jimmy Uso via disqualification when Roman got involved. This pissed off Jimmy Uso, and he walked off, complaining that he could have had the match won. And Roman's telling him nobody cares about exhibition matches, and they have to take care of business. Now Cesaro comes in, attacks Jay Uso while they were bickering, and he returns to the ring to take him out. He fights them off. And Roman runs off, hitting two neutralizers on uh, Jay Uso. The first one, and he was telling him, "Come do something. Come save your cousin. He's your cousin, right? Come save him." But he doesn't save him. So 
like I love the ending. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good for what it was. But now let's get into the predictions for WrestleMania Backlash to close out this damn podcast. <laughs> this damn episode. Now, my expectation on this is at an all-time low because Backlash is a this is a filler pay-per-view. It should be saved for like a TV special edition for Raw or SmackDown or just make it both or something. I don't know. Like, you know how NXT does Halloween Havoc and Great American Bash? You know how AEW does um, Fighter Fest, Bash at the Beast? Like, a TV special? Make it like that. I'm just saying. Because it makes the most sense. So there's six matches on the card. I don't know if they're going to add any other matches, but I don't know if one's going to be on a kickoff show. At, at this point, I don't care. So what we're going to do, we're going to start at the bottom, work our way... Like, we're going to start with the only non-title, the only match that does not have a title. Damian Priest versus The Miz. This is a Lumberjack match. Like I said, I think we're heading with Splitsville between Miz and Morrison. And I think Damian Priest is winning because apparently he's going to get a bigger push. So, I got Damian Priest. I got my confidence on him. Um, We have the Dirty Dogs, Robert... Not Robert Roode. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler taking on the Mysterios for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I am going with the Mysterios here. I think they're going to win the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And this could lead into Jimmy joining Jay and Roman. And like I said, this is where it's going to lead to. You need a baby face to take the t- for Jimmy and Jay Uso to take the titles from. And what better baby faces than the Mysterio? So I could see that happening. That's the direction that I think they're going to go with. So I'm going with the Mysterios. They are going to be the first father and son to win the tag team titles in WWE. I feel like that's where they're going to go with. Bianca Belair defends her SmackDown Women's Championship against Bayley. I am going with Bianca Belair. I don't see her dropping the title that soon since she just won the title continuing with the uh, women's title match the Raw women's title will be on the line Rhea Ripley will defend against Asuka and Charlotte Flair I am going with Rhea Ripley and I just hope they have Charlotte eat the pin because Rhea already pinned Asuka plain and simple and the way I can see the match ending Asuka will be in the figure 8 and Rhea covers Charlotte and pins her to retain the title, making establishing Rhea as the top star, beating two former champions. That's the way you should do it. But I feel like Asuka is going to eat the pin because she's expendable to WWE and they want to protect their precious Charlotte Flair. So Rhea Ripley, she's keeping the belt. She ain't dropping it. They got a triple threat for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley defends against Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman. I mean, Drew Drew is not winning. Drew McIntyre is not winning. Strowman, I do not want to see him with the WWE title. Lashley is doing the best work possible. Keep the title <coughs> on Bobby Lashley. I think that's what's going to happen. So, Lashley, he's going to retain the WWE Championship. And in I, what I think is the main event, 
Cesaro versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I expect these guys to go all out. This is the match I am most looking forward to the most. As much as I want to see Cesaro hold the uh, Universal Championship, I just don't think it's the right time. I feel like Roman Reigns is just killing it right now as a heel. And I think he's keeping the title. He's going to retain. So I think that's what's going to happen. So that's my predictions for um, Backlash. And I am getting the heck out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And it's like a quick prediction. I don't, and I know the next episode I'm gonna do my brief thoughts on backlash because it's not a big pay per view. I only do my all my thoughts and reactions when it comes to big shows like SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and Money in the Bank. I'm I'm gonna add that as well. But like all these filler pay per views, they get the episode treatment. So. Anyway, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Make sure you uh, follow me on Instagram, CoolManSip. If you like me on Twitch, follow me, uh, ShinoPhoenix, and like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. So, until then, take care. Be safe. Support wrestling as much as you can. I will see you guys next time for episode 117. This Phoenix flies off. Love you guys. Peace.